everyone. Hey, guys. Welcome back. It's episode 28. Yay. My name is Katie. I'm Brittany. This is Literally Disturbed. And each week we tell you either a true crime or a paranormal story. Excuse you, Molly. <laughs> she has issues. Sometimes. <laughs> Who doesn't? It's okay, Molly. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so we also derail sometimes, but today it's very sometimes. limited. Sometimes. Only, all the time. O- only sometimes. So we're just going to get into the stories because we're just going to try not to derail. Okay. <laughs> we're, pro- we're not making any promises, but we're going into this with the intent that we're not going to. Yes. Okay. We're going to try. Um, so my story is actually one. <laughs> Molly. <Excuse> Molly. <laughs> my story is actually one that was a suggestion sent in by one of our listeners, Hannah Wagner. Hey, Hannah. Um, so she says, Hey girls, my name is Hannah and I'm from a small town in North Carolina. My boyfriend Grayson and I are huge fans of your podcast. Thank you Thank guys. you so much. Um, and she said, we were ta- talking about crazy cases that have happened in our town. And one major one was about a 10 year old girl named Zara, Zara Baker. And so I'm going to go into that. But yeah, thank you, Hannah, for sending that suggestion. And if anybody else wants to send any story suggestions in, you can send it to our email, literally just podcast at gmail.com. Please and thank you. Yes. Especially if you have any paranormal stories, because I am, I've got some, you know, I don't know, issues trying to find good stories sometimes. So if you've got, especially ones that are not like, listen, my fellow Americans, I love you, love America, but I want new, I need that newness, the newness from lands over yonder from across the pond yes or anywhere that's not here so anyone that has any really cool actually my story today is from over the pond but just if y'all have any stories that maybe i de- haven't been able to happen upon just send yeah. them in because they some know ones. which ones you haven't been able to happen upon i mean anyways <laughs> send them it doesn't matter <laughs> i need good stories okay so we're gonna get into little zara baker right, um little I'm, zara. Gonna, I'm gonna cite my sources um wikipedia 2020 australia Murderpedia, stayathomemum.com, uh, .au, that's an Australian website, and then the newdaily.com. I'm assuming this is in Australia. Um, no. Oh. You'll see. Confused. Yeah. Okay. She's from Australia, but she lives in North Carolina. But this happened where she's from in Australia. No, this happened in New- North Carolina. So then how did we get two sources from Australia? Because it was a story about a girl from Australia that so lives they in, covered. Okay, catching up, connecting <laughs> dots. Your lights are all on now. <laughs> You're pretty though. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> that's what our mom likes to say when we say something dumb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's pretty too though. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, she's the prettiest. Okay, <laughs> so Zara Baker was born on November sixteenth, nineteen ninety nine, to Emily Dietrich. Um, and Adam Baker, who both live in Wagga Wagga, Australia. That sounds like a place I need to go. (laughs) Unless they don't, I mean, this could just be my ignorant American brain, but I just don't (laughs) want creepy crawlies. Um, Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say about the way you're pronouncing it. No, no, I Googled on how to say that. Hey, listen, uh, creepy crawlies. Okay, yeah, creepy crawlies, but have you seen some of the cool creatures they do have there? Yes, but we're not like, going to get into that because no, we're, we're not, not going to derail. Okay, go, 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 sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't derail it. <laughs> so her mother, Emily, um, had postpartum depression after she gave birth to Zara, and she sadly gave up her custody to her father, Adam, which is really sad. That is sad. So Adam took Zara and moved to his parents' house in Giro, Queensland. 
Okay. In 2004, he got a job at a sugar mill. Um, Zara came down with bone cancer in 2006. Oh, no, um, that's terrible. She was only six years old. Um, when the cancer got worse, doctors decided to amputate her left leg oh. above the knee. Zara told an older lady that was at one of her treatments, I guess, mm-hmm. that who was also fighting cancer, um, losing her leg was not to be worried about. This is, quote, it's okay, she said, because I'm going to be getting a Barbie leg, so I don't want you to be upset. Oh, my God. Isn't that so cute? Oh, that is just precious. Um, So months later, in 2007, doctors discovered the cancer had spread, um, finding tumors in her lungs. That is not precious. No. She received chemotherapy at the Royal Brisbane Child's Hospital that year. Um, Although the treatment seemed to stop the growth of the tumors in her lungs, it affected Zara's hearing requiring her to wear hearing aids in both ears. So not only did she have bone cancer, she ended up getting tumors in her lungs. She got her left leg amputated or part of it amputated. And now she can barely hear and has to wear hearing aids. Wow. I mean, little girl's gone through a lot. Listen, I'm not going to say anything about... No, never mind. I'm just not even going to go on that. That's a long tangent. Continue. (laughs) So she was always... This is a quote. She was always hopping around on her crutches, flat out through the ward, and was always full of life, energy, and was always happy, considering the illness that she had been fighting, which is what an acquaintance, Wendy Wake, said. My husband and I used to marvel at the obvious love her dad and grandma had for her and how they had both put their lives on hold to help her through her treatments. So that lady who just I just quoted, she met Zara at the hospital while her own daughter was being treated for an illness there. She said that the girls played together and did their school homework together. This is another quote from a reporter named Jessica Johnson. They don't make them much tougher than little Zara Baker. The eight-year-old girl has overcome more challenges than most people would in a lifetime, but nothing could wipe the smile off the bubbly youngster's face. She's just a sweet girl. Yeah. So her father, Adam, started an online relationship with this woman named Elisa Fairchild. Okay. Who was from North Carolina. So this is where that comes in. Gotcha. Okay. So they met on an, a website um, called IMVU. Um, and it's that 3D avatar one. I don't know if you ever saw it pop up like on your little like pop-ups on I don't know, websites. I don't, maybe. Okay. So I just showed her the so, website. So, okay. So you make an avatar and then you like. like it's like a them? world. Well, it's like a virtual world where like, it's like people. chat. Well, I don't know if it's specifically for dating, oh. but you go and meet. It's kind of oh, like Club okay. Penguin. Right. right, right. For, or like World of Warcraft, but not. Yeah, but there's no gameplay. And with it's just no avatar. Outfits like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, actually, IMVU means in my virtual universe, which I didn't know. Oh, okay. So. They bet on this website. Elisa <clears throat> visited Adam in Queensland, and they were soon married. Oh. Elisa had been previously married six times and was still married at the time she Shit. married Adam Baker. So okay, keep so I see where this is going. That's <laughs> married. Um, so, like I said, she was married seven times, including Adam. How do you have that much energy? Um, well, that's a lot of... I don't know if she's a con artist, but that, per se, that, but that's... Yeah, what, totally. Yeah. She obviously is, and that's just a lot of energy to put into uh, seven yeah. times. Jesus. So, at times, she was married to two or three men concurrently, <laughs> having failed to divorce before remarrying. Prior to marrying Adam, Elisa had married three men within three years. 
In January 2011, it was reported that Elisa Baker was charged with bigamy after it was confirmed that she was still married to a man named Aaron Young when she wed Adam Baker. And it's weird because Elisa had introduced Aaron Young to Adam, claiming that he was her brother, not an ex-husband. And the reason that she gave to, I, I, I watched a 2020 Australia interview that they had done with their, in jail, and the reason she gave to the lady interviewing her was that she, Aaron wanted to be a part of Zara's life, and that was the only way Adam would allow it is if she claimed that he was her brother, which is really weird. And the interviewer was like, that doesn't make, make any sense. sense at all. Um, that's kind of creepy. But yeah, so that was, she's a pathological liar. If you watch that interview, it's just, you can you tell know, everything she said is a lie. We got to give her a, an award for multitasking, though, because... I don't feel like I know anyone who can manage that. No. I, well, I guess she obviously didn't manage it that well because no. she's in jail now. But anyways, continue. Yes. <laughs> so Zara's cancer went into remission in 2008. Oh, that's great. Yes, shortly before she moved to the United States from Australia with uh-huh. her father and her new stepmother. Oh, mommy dearest. Mm-hmm. So after moving to North Carolina, the Bakers settled in Hickory, where Zara attended public school until she started being homeschooled. It is not known, though, um, if she was actually ever homeschooled. Right. Um, It is suspected that Zara was taken out of public school because reports of child abuse were made to the school. Um, And it was also implicating Elisa that had done it. Many neighbors of Zara claimed that Elisa was physically and mentally abusive and neglected the child. Two teachers visited Zara's home after Zara came to the school with a black eye in a public school in Hudson um, when she was in the fourth grade. Mm Mm-hmm. Child Protective Services from both Caldwell County and Cotawaba, Cotawaba, I don't know how to say that, something, another county, um, (laughs) visited the various residents of Zara multiple times. The Bakers had moved a few times in both those counties before settling in Hickory. Reports of Elisa's abusive behavior have been investigated by the Department of Social Services in regards to Elisa's own biological children dating from as far Back as 1999. Oh, wow. Elisa has a daughter from a previous boyfriend and a son and a daughter from a previous marriage. And where are those children now? I don't know. I didn't look. (laughs) Oh, it's because it's totally your responsibility. (laughs) Shame on you for not finding those children. Um, So, but clearly they're not with her. No, 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 no. Okay. So early, well, I I think they lived with their father's problem. I don't know. Whoever. Somewhere. Somewhere. So early in the morning of October 9th, 2010, Elisa Baker made a 911 call. She was reporting a fire at the back of their family residence in Hickory. Um, When police arrived, they found a ransom note and Adam's company truck smelling like gasoline. Uh Uh-oh. The ransom note said, Mr. Coffey, you like being in control? Now who's in control? We have your daughter and your pot-smoking redhead son is next unless you do what we asked. One million unmarked. We'll be in touch soon. Also written at the top and bottom of the note was no cops. So now you're probably questioning who Mr. Co- I think it's Kofi or Coffee. I don't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, who that person is. Yeah, what? Yeah. So later that day, Adam Baker called 911 and reported his daughter missing. He explained that the ransom note that the police had found was addressed to his boss and landlord, Mark Kofi. Adam told police he believed that someone had deliberately lit the fire as a distraction in order to take Zara, and he believed that they had mistaken her for Mr. Kofi's son, or Mr. Kofi's daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So according to Elisa, 
um, to Elise's accounts, please. She, her husband, and Zara had gone to the Oktoberfest in Hickory on Friday evening, October 8th, mm-hmm. um, between <clears throat> 7 p.m. and 9 p.m., and then had returned home. Elisa said Zara had gone to bed soon after they arrived at their house. Around 2.30, she said she had gotten out of bed and had gone to check on Zara and then returned to bed. She had woken up at about 5.20 a.m., seen the small fire outside, and reported it to authorities. Elisa told police that Zara must had have been taken by someone when the fire broke out. She said she believed the fire had been a ruse used to get her and her husband out of the house. But Adam Baker mm-hmm. was also interviewed, and he told police that he had not seen Zara since Wednesday, October 6, 2010. So, so that was two days before. Yeah. According to Adam. But that's the dad. Yes. So why the fuck did mm-hmm. he not say anything if he didn't know where his daughter was for two days? Mm-hmm. Good question. So according to Adam, the last time he had seen his daughter was at 2.30 that morning when he left for work. So on the 6th. Uh-huh. Zara's father had also explained why it had taken him more than 12 hours to report his daughter's disappearance. He said that his daughter rarely came out of her bedroom because she was brooding due to puberty. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Are you? Yeah. I'm sorry. No, listen. I was a brooding teenager, and I Same. spent many hours in my bedroom. But I, I always came that. out to eat. And not only that, my parents always fucking knew where I was. Mm-hmm. Usually. <laughs> yeah. Snuck out. <laughs> but not, I don't know. Uh-huh. But still, like, yeah, there was never a period where, it, I mean... If I would have been gone for more than two days, they would have realized oh, that. Sure. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah. So it's it's weird. <clears throat> so while the police were interviewing them, they were searching the residence with cadaver dogs. Mm-hmm. The dogs gave positive alerts indicating human remains on both of the baker's cars, and police took swabs of potential blood stains. Oh, jeez. The same day, Elisa Baker was arrested for a number of crimes, but not related to Zara's death, which included communicating threats, writing bad checks, larceny, and driving with a revoked license. She was also charged with obstruction after admitting to writing the ransom note, which wasted police's time. Yeah. So So now we know that she wrote the ransom. So where's the kid? Yeah. So police also confirmed that they haven't been able to confirm where Zara has been in the last month. So the last verifiable trace of her was a month ago. Yep. Wow. I'll get to that later. Um, Okay, so by October 12th, police were certain that 10-year-old Zara Baker was dead. The Hickory Police Chief made a statement saying that the Amber Alert that had been in place was now canceled and that the investigation was a homicide. Over the next few days, police searched for any clues to where Zara might be. They drained ponds, they searched in landfills, and they canvassed large wooded areas with cadaver dogs. On Thursday, October 14th, 2010, police received a tip from a known source that Zara recently... This kind of gets confusing, so just stay with me. That Zara recently had been at a house on Burke County Road with two men. According to a statement of probable cause um, signed by the captain, um, Thurman Wisnat of the Hickory Police, Depart- the Hickory Police Department, um, the source, according to the statement, was told on October 12th about another man who had been told about Zara being at a house from a relative. Okay. Although the information was third-hand hearsay at best, 
The informant told police one of the men had said that he had done something very bad and needed to leave town. The source said that when the mother returned, the little girl had blood on the private area and her legs and that the other two men had raped her. The informant claimed that Elisa Baker and one of the men had some kind of relationship. The informant said that he had asked the man who related the information to him if they had killed the little girl, and the man said that they may have hit her in the head. So the next day, the investigators went to the house in question where they found a large mattress lying on the ground in the side yard. Detectives observed that it did have a large, dark stain in the middle of the mattress. A male occupant of the house told one of the investigators that the mattress was his and that he had removed it from the residence to allow it to air out because he had urinated on it. The man said that he knew Zara Baker, but to his knowledge, she had never been into the house. The mattress was seized as possible evidence. I couldn't find anywhere um, if they found out what the dark stain was on the mattress, um, but all I could find out is that it could have been a possibility of this rape. Right. But here's a little twist. Hmm. I like twist. But it turns out that the two men that were involved were relatives of Elisa's ex-husband, Aaron Young, the man that I just mentioned before. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. The one that, she, you know, she had lied about being yeah. her brother. So there's a big uh-huh. old connection there. So apparently she kept in touch with Aaron and they both visited the imvu.com website on September 22nd, two days before the day on which Elisa claimed Zara died. The, um, the website featured chainsaw massacre role-playing between the two. Police investigated the claim of a woman who used the same social networking site as the Bakers and that she had a conversation with one or both of the Bakers about doing a murder with chainsaws. So that was like their little fantasy they had going on. Oh my god. Accusations against two men related to, like I said, the previous husband, mm-hmm. alleged that Zara was raped and may have been hit in the head, causing her death. Um, the two cousins were James Young and Timothy, he went by Sammy Young, and they were both investigated by the police for the allegations. Both men passed polygraph tests and were not charged. Um, Sam Young, or Sammy Young was alleged to have had a sexual relationship with Elisa And the two had taken illicit drugs together. We don't know. We don't know what happened, honestly. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to be honest. We don't know exactly what happened. Elisa is a pathological liar. Yeah, so she could just be making Um, all that shit up. um, And we have all these tips coming in, but it's just no one's being charged. So we we honestly don't know what happened to little Zara. So on October 25th, Adam Baker is also arrested. Wow. Again, on charges that are not related to his daughter's disappearance. Um, I didn't get the details on that one, but I do have later on some charges that he did get. Okay. Since no cause of death could be determined, Zara's death was ruled as an undetermined violent homicide. Allegedly, Elisa told the police that both she and Adam Baker disposed of Zara's remains. But according to cell phone towers, Elisa was in the area where Zara's remains were found, but Adam was not. He was about 20 miles away from Hmm. her. Mm -hmm. And when she was telling... The lady on the 2020 Australia episode or interview, she told her that there was nine outgoing calls from Elisa's phone to Adam. And she, the lady was like, well, if Adam was with you, why were you why calling, are we calling him? him? Yeah. And she's like, oh, well, I kept losing my phone. So Adam kept trying to call my phone to like find it. And she's like, but it was the calls were coming from your phone. So if you lost your phone, 
How? Yeah. She just kept lying. Everything was a lie. So she just kept like, you're not making sense. So go watch the interview. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes because it's just, (laughs) what an idiot. Okay. Investigators believe that Elisa Baker killed and dismembered Zara. Okay. So this little girl was dismembered. Yeah. Um, and they believe this happened on September 24th. And she disposed of her remains the following day. This is what they believe happened. Elisa was indicted by a grand jury for second-degree murder with aggravating circumstances on February 22nd, 2011. These are the five aggravating circumstances. Elisa Baker had a history of physical, verbal, and psychological abuse of the child. She secreted the child from her family before and after the crime. She desecrated Zara's body to hinder the murder investigation and prosecution. Zara was young and physically infirm or handicapped. Um, Elisa Baker took advantage of a position of trust. Mm -hmm. So Elisa Baker's aunt, Buzzy Winkler, (laughs) told reports that Elisa told her Zara died after being sick for two weeks and both parents dismembered her and hid the remains. Um, Elisa's aunt said she had been sick for two weeks before she died. When they found her, I guess they didn't know what to do. They just went wild. Because that's what you do when your child dies. Well, that's been her story, was that they never killed Zara. They just were scared of what would happen afterwards, so they dismembered her and then hit her body around. So, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Not even a little bit. However, Elisa um, reportedly said Adam dismembered Zara Baker alone after she died, and they both hid her remains. Elisa also told police that Zara died on September 24th, yet she was not reported missing until October 9th. Allegedly, Eric Gein, crime memorabilia dealer and owner of Serial Killers, Inc., used an assumed name to write to Elisa in jail. She wrote him back twice, sharing some information. According to a letter written to Eric Gein, Elisa admitted, We really didn't kill her, but what we did after the fact is kind of horrifying. It makes me scared of him. Talking about Adam, the dad. Elisa's attorney, Lisa Dubbs, told police where they could find possible evidence relating to Zara's death. Apparently, Elisa told her attorney that Zara's prosthetic leg was left in a dumpster that she and Adam had disposed of at the Fox Ridge Apartments in Hickory. A prosthetic leg was found in late October off a road in Caldwell County, a few miles from the former residence of Elisa. The Hickory Police Department were able to match the serial number of that leg to Zara's medical records um, that they obtained from Australia. Mm -hmm. So it was confirmed hers. Um, In November 2010, um, Elisa started leading police to different areas in Catawaba, I don't know how to say that, (laughs) County and Caldwell County to find Zara's scattered remains. Numerous bones of Zara was found, but Zara's head was not found. Allegedly, Elisa had told police she threw Zara's mattress in a dumpster and police confirmed the mattress after they found it in a landfill. Elisa Baker also led the police to another dumpster behind a grocery store in Hudson where she and Adam dumped a car cover and bed cover that was used to hide and transport Zara. Elisa also told police that they could find Zara's body parts in the drain tap of the bathroom and that plastic gloves that she used could be found in her bathroom. I guess that's where she dismembered her. Oh, it's so sad. I just don't even have words. I I really don't. Okay, so Elisa would have had a first-degree murder charged, um, but she 
signed a plea deal. So she got the lesser. The The deal was if she could lead them to her remains that they would give and her. And I get that. At yeah. least to be able to give her a proper burial. Yeah. So Adam denied any involvement in Zara's death. And the police have not found any credible evidence to suggest that he had any involvement in her death. Other or to than charge just being him. freaking ridiculous and not understanding that your daughter's been missing. For right. That's very concerning. Um, so Elisa's bond, because she was already... Um, arrested Mm -hmm. without any charges related to the case but now that she got this other charge for the murder she her bond was increased by two hundred thousand dollars making it a total of three hundred and seven thousand and seven hundred dollars for her bond um in april 2011 adam baker was charged with identity theft and obtaining property under false pretenses Mm mm-hmm It was claimed that Adam Baker used the identity of a man by the name of James Starbuck (laughs) and his social security (laughs) number to get power connected to his apartment. James Starbuck is the husband of Elisa's daughter, Brittany Starbuck. So it's actual guy. Oh, I thought that was just some but random same, name. Same. It was like really Starbucks. Like, <laughs> daddy. It makes me think of Daddy. What is it, Daddy Big Bucks? Yeah, the Sims. <laughs> But yeah, so Adam was previously charged with passing worthless checks, communicating threats, assault with a deadly weapon, and failure to return property. With these new charges, Adam was ordered not to leave North Carolina without notifying the district attorney's office. He was also ordered to wear a monitor, an ankle monitor, um, and was ordered to meet with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement once a week. But Adam was obviously hoping to return to Australia shortly. Mm-hmm. Elisa Baker was also charged with identity theft and obtaining property under false pretenses. Um, it was reported that Elisa had used her daughter, Brittany Starbucks, personal information to obtain telephone and utility service at one of the family residents. She pleaded not guilty to the four counts of identity theft in May 2011, of course. She was also indicted with seven drug counts for the time period of May 2006 through October 2010. Elisa, who had used different addresses in both the counties of North that she lived in, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Okay, she had distributed oxycodone, hydrocodone, and alprazolam, all prescription drugs for pain and anxiety. Elisa was charged with possessing, distributing, and conspiring to distribute prescription drugs. And Absolutely. yeah, so she had a lot of drug charges. Yeah, so she's she's bad. So like I said, we know that Zara was killed. Mm-hmm. We don't know if she was raped or not, mm-hmm. but there was accusations there. We do know that she was dismembered. Um, Did they ever find her... I don't even want to say it. Did they ever find her head? Yeah. So I have a little timeline that they okay. kind of gave me. Oh, okay. It didn't go into too much detail, but... <sighs> so sad. Okay, so this is the timeline. July 2010, Zara, along with her parents, moved from a trailer park in Codwell County, North Carolina. August 2010, Zara has was enrolled in Hudson Elementary School, but never attended... Mm-hmm. Elisa Baker notified the school that Zara would be homeschooled. September 22nd, workers at a Hickory, North Carolina furniture store claimed they saw Zara in the store while she was there with Elisa. This is the last time anyone claimed to have seen Zara other than her parents before she was found. Right. September 24th, investigators believe Zara died on this day. Um, the 25th, they believe that this is the day that she was disposed of. October 9th. Two 911 calls were placed, one at 5.30 to report the fire and another one calling around 2 p.m. to report Zara missing. October 10th, Elisa Baker was arrested for charges unrelated to Zara. The 27th, 
Zara's prosthetic leg was found. The tw- or February 21st, Elisa was indicted for second-degree murder. And then February 21st of 2013, the Hickory Police Department confirmed that a skull was found in April 2012 that belonged to Zara. I guess it took them that long to figure out it belonged to her. That's sad. So they did find her skull. That's good, I guess. So hopefully she can be put all back together and... Yeah. That just breaks my heart, though. Like, you know how I am when it comes to anything to do with kids, Mm -hmm. man. Like, that's the one thing that really... We can talk about disturbing, gory stuff all day, and we do. But when it comes to little girls, and especially like this, like... Like, she fought... That poor baby survived cancer just to be dismembered by her stepmother. Like, what the fuck? Her dad was obviously a piece of shit, too, because he gave no fucks. Uh, Right? So it's just like, what that poor girl never even... Her mom gave her up. Mm -hmm. Her grandpa, daddy, just fucking... I don't... That's just sad. Her grandpa, daddy. I thought her grandpa, daddy took her. Didn't... Wouldn't she give it... Oh, she gave it to the The baby's dad. dad. Yeah. I thought she said she gave it to her dad. Uh, I misunderstood. To the baby's dad, Okay, so not grandpa, daddy, but still. Obviously, the dad's a piece of shit. The mom probably... Did we ever figure out anything to do with the mom? Did she ever come and say anything about what happened? I didn't see anything. She's probably, like, so sad now. I would be... I mean... Yeah. When you're... I don't fault her because, you know... She did what she... Postpartum depression is no joke. It is not something to play around with, and she definitely felt like... But at some point, that goes away, so it's like maybe... I know, but maybe she was just... We don't know what kind of person she was. No, we don't. But anyways, that's a very sad story. It makes my heart. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Hannah, for bringing awareness to that. Yeah. That was a sad story. That was a sad story, but her story needs to be told just like, you know, everyone needs a voice. Yep. Okay, so do you want to get into yours now? Yes, I have a quickie for you guys. That's what she said. Yeah, I don't say that very often. (laughs) I'm not not big on quickies. (laughs) Anyways, okay, so I found this place called the Newsham Park Hospital. Okay. And it is in Liverpool, Merseyside, England. Okay. And it is now a derelict it's basically like a just abandoned place. Like there hasn't been anything going on there for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's a hospital, but it used to be, uh, it started out as the Liverpool Seamen's Orphan Institution. <laughs> I knew that was going to okay. get a chuckle. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so basically, um, before 1869, there was no institution in Liverpool for the support and education of the orphans of British seamen. So this happened in 1869. 1869 is when it, yeah, is when it started. <laughs> so it just be- gets better. <laughs> so- <laughs> Sorry. So basically, this reminds me of, do you remember A Little Princess? Yeah. This reminds me of that. Okay. Because it's kind of similar to that in, that in the fact that her dad went off in the military. Mm-hmm. Her mom was gone. And so he didn't have anywhere to leave her. So he left her at this boarding school. Right. And I feel like that's exactly what this was. This is what this started out as. And from, if you have ever watched that movie, people, then you know how she was treated in that place. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this definitely fits that whole scenario. Okay. So basically, the first move to establish the institution was made by a group of people uh, leading Liverpool's ship owners in 1868 is when they got the idea. Um, So they sponsored the project and it came, you know, it was a group of ship owners and merchants who, you know, were trying to figure out how to help widows and families and stuff. And, you know, all these people who were 
who had to deal with their husbands going off and okay, you know yeah. the families of those of those men. So they're trying to figure out what to do with kids in these circumstances. Um so they decided to go ahead and, and get this place going. I'm not gonna get into all these crazy details. So they decided to go ahead and donate. Okay, so on August 9th, 1869, the Liverpool Seaman Orphan Institution opened and a temporary rented accommodation on Duke Street. And by the end of that year, there were 46 boys and 14 girls in residence. Damn. Uh-huh. And then on uh, April 7th of 1870, Liverpool Town Council gave 700 square yards of land on the northeast side of Newsham Park to construct a Siemens Orphan Institution. On September 11th of 1871, the foundation stone of the new building was laid by Mr. Ralph Brocklebank, the first or first president. Okay. The foundation stone of the chapel was laid on August 1st of 1873. So there was a large attendance of spectators, and one of them being present was the mayor, Mr. E. Samuelson, and a bunch of other people that none of us know, so I'm not going to read them off either. Okay. <laughs> Um, a number of the inmates, girls and boys, of the temporary home on Duke Street, accompanied by the band of the institution, occupied the streets in front of the platform, and their clean and healthy appearance bore testimony to the care taken of them. Woo! Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, let's see. Do, 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 I feel like do, that should do. be your catchphrase. Basically. So basically. So basically. Or you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know everything. You know. You just know what I'm saying. Yeah. You know the words yeah. and the thoughts. And Anyways, okay. So they were just given things, people and kids and poor. They were poor. Okay. They were, you know, helping these kids out or the people that were off. And, you know, we got this place. They were singing songs, you know, hanging out in the chapel. This has been the chapel was finally built at this place they built the big chapel, and it's actually by the way the the main reason i'm not gonna lie guys the main reason why i decided to do the story is this place is gorgeous like the craftsmanship and the architecture and i'm not an architect so i can't really speak on those kind of terms really but i know but it's i know guys right i can't be everything <laughs> but, but it's just really pretty and like when you like the main door it kind of goes up steps and then right above, it's got like this oval-shaped door. Or not oval-shaped, like a rounded-topped door, you okay. know? And then above it has like this really pretty wood. Um, and it's like a wood ingrained, but it's got a ship that's ingrained in like the big oh, sails. like a big seaman. Yeah, but it's just really pretty. And just the little ornate details that they have throughout this thing. Mind you, since it's been abandoned, it's super fucking creepy looking now. But it's still really pretty and <laughs> creepy at the same time. <laughs> okay. Um, Anyway, so they build a church, you know, there's a bunch of kids. They're doing stuff. Doing stuff. That's literally what I was going to say. I know. <laughs> I know. That's exactly what you're going to say. Uh, where am I? Okay, so okay. by 1889, or sorry, 1899, there were 321 children in the orphanage. That's a lot. 508 were receiving, I'm sorry, what? How is there 321 children in the orphanage and then there's 508 of them receiving outdoor relief? Oh, oh. <laughs> I get it. Okay. So, so, okay. That's just a stupid way to write it. Okay. So, shit. Okay. Start over. So, by 1899, there were 321 children in the orphanage. Okay. 
while 508 children outside of the orphanage were being looked after and cared for. Okay. Yeah. Like they didn't live on the property. No, so I was like, what the fuck? I thought you were going to say they lived outside. <laughs> That's what I was like. What is this saying? But basically, they're taking care of the children um, using monetary grants and like getting okay, them clothes. That and, makes sense. Yeah. That's, that does make sense. <laughs> Whatever. Receiving outdoor relief. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. You're doing a stellar job. <laughs> really brought my A game this week, you mm-hmm. guys. Oh, okay. I guess you're not good at quickies. <laughs> no. You're good at the long, detailed. My brain ones. does not compute. <laughs> Fuck me. okay jesus christ this is terrible okay all right so let me retry this okay okay so um yes they built this orphanage for the children they um decided to build a chapel to go along with it to help them out and then in 18 by 1899 there were 321 children living in the orphanage while they assisted 508 outside of the orphanage in form of monetary grants and clothing um, children of all religious don- denominations were assisted. It didn't matter. But the preference was given to orphans of British seamen and connected connected with the port of Liverpool. The, re- the, the scholastic and religious instruction were under the supervision of the Church of England chaplain. Um, in July of 1900, they added some swimming pools to help out because I guess it was super hot. It was hot up in there. Yeah. Gave them some pools to swim in. Okay. So then... The war years come. Oh. Yep. The first four, the first, the first four world wars. What the hell? <laughs> the first world war brought problems. And by 1918, 1,000 orphans were being assisted. Because war comes, you know, with war comes more soldiers. With more soldiers come more orphans, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So then stuff happened. What happened? What, what happened, guys? What, what happened? <laughs> The royal appreciation of the work was shown from time to time by visits to the Newsham Park. And following a visit by Queen Mary and the Princess Royal in 1921, they bestowed upon the institution the title royal and granted it a royal charter of incorporation. So it's a royal place. Okay. That is now not. Not. (laughs) (laughs) During the Second World War, the children were evacuated to Hillbark, uh, Frank B. Worrell, the other or the country home of Mr. E. B. Royden, a devoted friend and committee member. Here, the children remained and flourished throughout the war. Post-war, uh, in 1946, preparations were made for a return to Newsham Park, but with the great expansion in the country's social service schemes, many surviving parents were understandably reluctant to place their children in an orphanage. Well. I would be too, because <laughs> I feel I feel like some of these families that were having their children in orphans were just like women who didn't want to be stuck at home with their kids while their husband was away. Mm-hmm. I guess, and then they were like, "Hey, that's not cool. You should keep your kids at home." <laughs> yeah, they're not orphans. Yeah. <laughs> so this led to a gradual decline in the number of resident children. Wow. Okay. Imagine that, your children living with you. I mean, I can't imagine. I I can because they never leave. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding. I love my kids. They're they're cool sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) They're cool. 
so new laws prohibited children under the uh, age of 11 years old being educated at the same school as older children. Interesting. And I never really thought about the the time where they differentiated the different levels of mm-hmm. education. Well, that was loud. Mm-hmm. Were you excited about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so, um, basically they were like, no, big kids got to go. It's only for the little, for the youngins. Okay. Despite Newsham Park's endowment, financial difficulties were increasing and there seemed a little prospect of bridging the widening gap between income and expenditure. As a result, the orphanage was closed on July 27th of 1949 while continuing to implement the objective the founders and providing means for education and maintenance of the children deceased British. So basically, if their daddies died, they were still taking care of them. Okay. Yeah. Their daddies died overseas. We're still going to take care of you, but you can't live here. Okay. So that's what happened. That's the things they were doing. Thank you. <laughs> Places in various schools were found for those uh, then being housed and educated at Newsham Park. Most, mm-hmm. most are. <laughs> <laughs> Most were transferred to the royal. <laughs> we can't help it. I swear to God, it doesn't matter. <coughs> okay, Moni die. Myrtle. I'm just gonna die. wheezy Myrtle over here. Call me wheezy. She, goes, <laughs> <laughs> she does do that. <laughs> uh, so most of the kids were transferred to the Royal Merchant Navy School in Bearwood. Um, the fees and etc. Basically, were being taken care of by Newsham Park. Um, the sale of the premises at Newsham Park to the Ministry of Health for the use as a hospital. Imagine that an orphanage turned into a mental institution. Can we say where this is going, friends? Oh, I just said <laughs> hospital. Oh, I didn't. I was getting to that part. Um, but yeah, it's going to be used for. Uh, so they bought this to be used as this hospital, and then they used the proceeds from selling. The mm-hmm. location um, to to go to the charity commissioners for investment, whatever that means. Some charity to invest in. Oh, okay, I don't know. The committee continued to provide support to the orphaned Siemens children on a non-resident basis, thus continuing to pursue the original objectives of the institution's founders with special emphasis on education. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. So let's check out this hospital. The Newsham Park Hospital opened its doors in 1954. Yeah. And while it was a hospital, it had its own psychiatric department. Okay. That was hip and popping because there was a lot of people with issues back then. It is the 50s. And there was housewives that didn't want to make them sandwiches. Ugh. I mean, you know how these hospitals work. Yeah. So then... <laughs> The hospital officially stopped taking new patients in 1988, and by 1992, all the remaining uh, patients and staff were relocated. And then in 1992, with the closure of Rainhill Lunatic Asylum, the inmates were moved to Newsham Park Hospital, taking up 90% of its space. So now it is for show a cuckoo place. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm crazy too. I feel like I can say that, right? If you're crazy, you can say things are crazy and it's okay. I I don't think that's very PC. Oh. So don't come at us. <laughs> I'm just kidding, you guys. Like seriously, by now, if y'all listen to this this far and you take us seriously when we say stuff like that, that's silly because we're just silly here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever. She hates me so much right <laughs> now. She's looking at me like, you 
freaking shut up. Stop it. Okay, so I'm almost done, you guys. I've Where literally are the ghosties? Got, like, oh, that's literally like this much of the story. Okay. <laughs> um, so we kind of built. It's the build up, you know. You got the build up and a build the build up to like no release. But there is a release. It's just not a big one. It's a quickie. I told you. <laughs> I hate you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate you, but I hate you. <laughs> Sorry, God, my laugh is ridiculous. What are you doing, Molly? What are you doing? Weirdo. Okay, so so we turned it into an asylum, right? They spent 1.6 million euros. Yeah. Right? That's what that little sound yes. sign is. Um, pounds. Pounds? I was going to say pounds, but then I was like, I don't know. There's In a European So there money. was 1.6 million European dollars. <laughs> currency <laughs> sorry friends we really do love you we're just not super cultured <laughs> uh, you probably uh, have noticed probably so <laughs> anyway so they spent this much money uh on the hospital so it could house its new patients okay um there are still notices posted on the boards in the school block and paperwork in the property that were dated back to 1996 damn yeah all records of patients and staff have been closed for 100 years from 1997 when the building was finally vacated and patients of patients and staff. So in 1997, the property was bought in an auction by a property developer. In 2004, a plan by its owner's gateway properties to develop the plan into flats was defeated by local regeneration campaigners. Thank you. Because why would you want to? Listen, if you look at this place, it's freaking phenomenal. And if you would destroy it and turn it into a bunch of apartments... Yeah, I'd be pissed. Although I really did want to turn it into a giant house for myself, so I can't really say All the ghosties. I would, though. Pull it up right now while I'm, t- while I'm saying this. Um, so, you know, they got their their plan pooped on. So in July 2007, they, it was put up for sale again. This site is now owned by property developer Angel Farm Limited, and their associates, Land Ecology Limited, have submitted a planning application to convert and refurbish Part of the historical building into an events venue, including kitchen facilities, dining restaurant, and um, a like bar function and semin- seminar facilities. There's also going to be external seating area, and you know, basically just appreciating its beauty. Mm-hmm. You know, because look at it. I know it looks creepy, but it's actually really pretty too. It is pretty. It kind of has like Hogwarts vibes. Yeah. So the hauntings, if you can guess it, primarily are children. <laughs> hmm. Um, so it says reported sightings of ghosts include that of a small child on the top floor corridor and shadowy figures on the ward G visitors to the basements, um, have reported an uneasy feeling and dragging noises that have been heard from the dining room while nobody is there. The building now hosts private and public nocturnal ghost hunts and it's opened, um, to ghost hunting events that accrue around autumn and are investigated by investigators and local people. So basically, you can just go and check it out. And I think I read that they also have some equipment there. So if you don't have like your own ghost hunting equipment, you can actually use some of theirs to go into oh, that's it. Cool. Yeah. So it's a pretty neat little place. And I really wish I could have bought it and made it into my own little neat place. But at least what they're doing with it sounds cool. Like at mm-hmm. least they're going to appreciate the property and, you know, not try to turn it into a bunch of apartments and make a bunch of money. Yeah. So it looks like there was a haunted tour right here. Where a group of people took a picture of, like, the group, and there mm-hmm. was a ghost in the picture. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. 
Let me see. Oh, wow. It looks oh, like a little crazy. kid. So, so we'll have to add that link into our show notes or something. Yeah. So you can go check that picture. out. Yeah. That's yeah, a good that's story. Cool. So you. I know it was quick and even though you aren't going to hear all the crazy ramblings I had trying to get the story out, yeah. there was quite a, I'm going to leave some of it in. Okay, Sophie, what are you going to tell me about today? Uh, the changeling. Okay. Um, so, so let's get into it. A changeling is typically identifiable via a number of traits. In Irish legend, a fairy child may appear sickly and won't grow in size like a normal child and may have notable physical life and characteristics such as beard or long teeth and may also display intelligence far beyond their apparent years as well as possesses uncanny insight. A common way that a changeling could identify itself is through displaying an unusual behavior when it thinks it's alone, such as jumping around, dancing, or playing an instrument. Though this last example is found only within Irish and Scottish legend... I kind of feel like those characteristics would explain any child, though. (laughs) (laughs) Playing an instrument. Jumping around. You're a changeling. How dare you play an instrument? That's what it says. Okay, I'm just making an observation. Anyways, keep going. A human child may be taken due to many factors to act as a servant. The love of a human child or malice. Most often it would be thought that the fairies exchanged the children... In rare cases, in the very elderly of the fairy people, would be exchanged in the place of a human baby, so that the old fairy could live in comfort being coddled by its human parents. That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It it is. (laughs) Okay, keep going. (laughs) Simple charms, such as inverted coat or open iron scissors left where the child sleeps, were thought to ward them off. Other measures include a constant watch over the child. Peasants' family substance frequently depended on, depended upon the productive labor of each member, and it was difficult to provide for a person who was, who was a permanent drain of the family's scarce resources. The fact that the changeling's ravenous appetite so frequently mentioned indicates that the parents of, of these unfortunate children saw in the continuing existence to a threat of the sustenance of the entire family. Changeling tales support other historical evidence in suggesting that infants aside was frequently... Fairies would also take adult humans, especially the newly married and the new mothers. Young adults were taken to marry fairies instead, while... New mothers were often taken to nurse the fairy babies. Okay, that's weird. (laughs) Often when an adult was taken instead of a child, an object such as a log was left in place of the stolen human. That's a good trade. Yeah. (laughs) I love logs. (laughs) Um, Enchanted to look like the the person. Okay. This object in place of the human would often seem to sicken and die. Oh. So it's like they just... Yeah. 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 To be buried by the human family, while the living human among was amongst the fairies. Okay. Bridget Clary is one of the most well-known cases of an adult thought to be a changeling by her family. Her husband killed her, attempting to force the fairies to return his real wife. Uh, uh, uh okay. <laughs> That's, That's a little dark. Got dark real quick from <laughs> at least like 10 to 100 real quick. Uh-huh. Um, 
The changelings left by the Mamuna were said to have a noticeably different appearance. An abnormal large abdomen, usually small or large head, uh, a hump. Okay. Um, thin arms and legs or hairy body and long claws. Changeling in European folklore are deformed and in Okay. Offspring of fairies or elves, substituted by them surreptitiously for a human infant. According to legend, the abducted human children are given to the devil or used to strengthen fairy stock. Hmm. Sounds like a fun time. Yeah. Is that it? Uh, I think so, yeah. You think so? Yeah. You done reading it? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I learned so much from you, Sophie. Yeah. Is <laughs> <laughs> that all you got to say? <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Well, um, do you have anything else to say? Do you want to close it out? Thank you for listening to uh, another cryptid episode thing segment. <laughs> yes. Thing. Uh, yeah. Thank, thank you so much. One of my old papers that has what my endings are. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sophie. All right. Bye. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening. Yes, thank you. And um, oh, thank, oh, oh, sorry, no, you go ahead. I was going to say we have three new Patreons. Yes. Do you have we, their names? Uh, yes. Oh, good. So we have um, Kendra. Kendra. Oh, hey, Kendra. Yes. yes. By the way, um, y'all should. I know we've shouted her out before, but go check her out on Sober Ninja. On her TikTok. Yep. She's got lots of fun TikToks. And then my sweet sister-in-law, Shira. Oh, Shira. And then our friend, Joette. Oh, yes. Hello, Joette. She's our she's the one who um, suggested the fairy series for Sophie oh, yes. that she's doing. So, yes. yes. Thank you. And thank you again. Yes. Thank you guys so much for yes, supporting we appreciate us. You. And we, listen, we have got some really exciting bonus content coming for all of our Patreon. We're not going to tell you what it is now We're in not. case it doesn't happen, but. But I did, no, oh shit, it's going to happen. I did a little recon this last week, and let me just tell you, I'm covered in mosquito bites, but it was worth it. And we're going to go get eaten some more, and it's going to be fun. And yeah. Yeah. So look so to that. Stay tuned. Um, we got we to gotta build up the, the anticipation. Oh, yeah. Anticipation. What? Thank you. I don't um, know. I feel like that's a song somewhere. I don't know. If not, I just made it one. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so if you'd like to follow us on our Instagram, it's at Literally Disturb Podcast. Um, and if you want to follow our Twitter, Twitter, there's not much happening over Twitter. there because I don't know how to if tweet. If you want to send tweet. us a tweet, maybe we'll Twitter tweet you back. <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> but yes, it's at Literally Depod. Um, and we have a. <laughs> Sorry, every time you say Literally Depod, I think of a penis. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, and we have a cool Facebook group. It's called the Official um, Literally Disturbed. And it is group. officially official. <laughs> if you know, you know. Okay. If you know, that was not me. That was my bad, guys. I'm real I sorry. didn't know that it alerted the I whole didn't. damn group when you. <laughs> I didn't either. I was even more embarrassing. I was like, oh my God, I feel so stupid right now. <laughs> And he was like, how did we not realize this? <laughs> but at least nobody else did either, so we changed it. I was like, damn it. And if you did, everybody. if you did realize it, thank you for not being me. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Anyways, it's official. <coughs> if you want to go to our Facebook group, it's fun. It's happening. We got cool conversations going on over there. And thank you for everyone participating in those cool conversations. Yeah, we enjoy it. 
and um, I'll I'll enjoy it more. I've been working a lot lately, so forgive yeah, me for same. my for my neglect. I've got like four different jobs going on right now, so just love me, yep. love me, and my what is it? What am I saying? I don't know what you're. I saying. don't know my inadequacies. That's Any, what I'm yep. saying. Love mm-hmm. me and my inadequacies. If you would like to um, send in a personal true crime or paranormal story, we would like to do a listener story. Yeah, um, I think we I think we we have enough for the first episode, like I, I know, said, and we, we can do that. Going. But we want to we want to have a little more, so we at least have two episodes to yeah yeah to do before we get really started. So send them in, please, and you can send that to our Gmail at literally podcast at gmail dot com. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. And yes, thank you. Yeah, and we'll see you next week. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.